Welcome to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle Pelazon Lipsitz, your co-host and the founder of Holisticism, aka the head witch in charge. And I'm delighted to be here with you for a solo episode today. I have had so much coffee. So hopefully this makes sense. And who am I kidding? You know that I have like 10 pages of notes. <laughs> it's not like I didn't prepare for this, but this is a big concept. And as I was thinking about this episode, talking about overcoming the fear of being seen seen online and you know, in a way, the fear of being canceled. It really brought me back. <laughs> it made me think about just why we do everything that we do here at Holisticism. I have a deep belief that the work that we do on the planet, like our lowercase w work, is our capital W work, right? Or it leads to our capital W work. It offers us an opportunity to flex and grow spiritually in, in our souls, right? So <laughs> building a business. I don't know, even if you're creating a hot dog stand, right? That will offer you spiritual tests and experiences that help you grow and deepen as the person that you are, that help you understand yourself and in that way, the world around you, other people. And hopefully that helps you realize what you're here to do. I'm not going to say your potential, but whatever your soul's purpose is, even if you know your soul's purpose is something as simple as learning how to enjoy <laughs> the experience of being a person. And that's really like the root of everything that we do at Holisticism. It's why I'm obsessed with intuitive business and why we named the company Holisticism because I wanted to be able to say what I believed in. I believe in Holisticism, marrying my spiritual side, my mystical side with my intellectual, rational, and sometimes cynical side and bringing those two things together and not just pulling one out when it's convenient or when it's appropriate, quote unquote appropriate, but really embodying both of them as often as possible. You know, when I started holisticism, a big, a big reason was because I met all these incredible people, mostly women who were super spiritual, but like secretly. <laughs> and when they showed up at work, they were like intellectual, Google spreadsheets, blah, blah, blah. They had to cut off this part of themselves in order to perform their job. And that is not the point. I do not want to cut off a limb or any part of who I am in order to like, I don't know, be in the world. I want to be the most whole version of myself at all times. And I imagine you probably do too. And that's why you're attracted to holisticism, this podcast and what we do. Uh, so with that in mind, I'm going to say this quite often throughout this this episode, but the work is the work. So when we're building a business, part of why I love building businesses is they offer us these opportunities to flex spiritually, to learn, to grow, to change our mindset, to push the boundaries of what we believe and what we understand. And we can't really run away from it in our business when, when it, that's our livelihood, right? We are confronted with these lessons and to either learn them and grow or not and fail. And even failing is still a lesson. It's so cool, right? One door opens the next. All that being said, the work, lowercase w work, the work that you do, the emails that you send, the blog posts that you write, <laughs> the showing up online is the capital W work. It's that it offers us an opportunity to learn and to grow and to deepen. And I think that's why it's important. Now, if you're listening to this, you probably can relate to the fear of being seen online 
or just being seen in general. Maybe you're afraid to market your business or you're afraid to sell things or maybe you're afraid just to even speak your mind or show up online because you're afraid of being canceled, even though you don't have, you know, radical and harmful belief system that you subscribe to. In the last few years, groupthink has really, really taken over, especially online, sort of dogpiling that happens that spirals out of control. And that can be really intimidating, especially if you're a creator, especially if your business is based online. I hear this so often from people who, you know, take class with us or who join the North Node. In particular, the class we're about to teach on March 14th, it's called Creators Cashing In. And it's a class that teaches you how to monetize your content, whether you're an entrepreneur yourself or you're a content creator that works for other people. It's a really, really helpful course. Lots of copywriting, lots of psychology, lots of magic. But a note that continually comes up for students is, I'm so excited to do all this. I I have so many ideas, but I'm so scared. <laughs> I'm so fucking scared, dude. <laughs> and I can relate. You know, there's there's a lot of things that can come up for us, right? I'm afraid of being canceled. I'm afraid of just being seen because I've experienced narcissistic abuse that's just like systematically chipped away at all of my confidence and belief and self-trust and has left me this, you know, sort of dusty rebel pile of who I used to be, a shell of who I used to be. And I'm I just don't trust myself anymore. Or maybe, you know, this fear that people will perceive you, period, or perceive you as stupid or too girly or too loud or too too soft or too quiet or too weird. That's a shadow work moment. Um, or, you know, the witch wound rears its head for you. Like, oh my gosh you get punished or you've learned that you get punished for being good, for being the best version of yourself, for sharing your gifts and talents, for owning them. Um, instead of people you know, uplifting you and lauding you for them, you get in trouble. That happens a lot to psychic people who in childhood, they let their little psychic feelers out and they share their psychic gifts and it freaks adults out. And so they get punished <laughs> because you're a little kid who's like, ooh, uncle so-and-so is I think cheating on auntie blah, blah. And your mom's like, God, don't say that. (laughs) Stop. Cut that out. Right? So we learn to sort of lock it in and not share it and not let that intuition run free to not nurture our gift because we've learned it's bad. Maybe you've also learned that in order to survive, you need to be perfect. You are unlovable if you are not perfect. If you have, if you make mistakes, if you show a crack in your veneer, then you're worthless, which is not true. Or maybe you're just afraid of being cringy because you look at people online and you cringe at them and you're like, oh, I don't want to be like that. That's just embarrassing. Oh, I don't want to be perceived. All of this, all of these points and countless others. I think often just point to this fear of rejection, right? Uh, The rejection of who we truly are. And really what's underneath that fear of rejection of who we truly are, it's the fear that we're unlovable at the end of the day. And baby, that's not true. That's so not true. You are infinitely innately lovable and infinitely and innately worthy, no matter what. I mean, you can be unlikable, (laughs) but you you are not unlovable. You're also not ultimate, right? Uh, That's black or white thinking that comes in. So just clock that for yourself. That's a style of distorted thinking that often comes up for us 
because we just sort of trip and get ahead of ourselves. Well, if I show up, I'm going to get canceled. Babes, calm down. Slow your roll. (laughs) That's pretty extreme. Um, Maybe we can come back to the center a little bit. Come back to the mean, if you will. So just notice that for yourself throughout this episode. And when you're thinking about showing up, notice what your immediate gut reaction jump to extreme, the worst thing that's going to happen, and maybe reel yourself back in. And remember, the work is the work. For me, overcoming that black and white thinking is a huge part of the work that I'm here to do on this planet because man, I just, I am jumping, I'm running, I am sprinting to the farthest conclusion. So I can relate (laughs) if you're an either or thinker. So we've got all these potential fears, right? That might show up differently for us or on the outside look differently, but really are this fear of being unlovable. And that's why we're not showing of ourselves or sharing of ourselves. And that manifests and that means that if you don't share what you're doing and what you can offer and how amazing you are, then you're not able to do it. And often we're at odds with ourselves. We want to build a community, right? But we're afraid to take on what it means to be a leader, to make decisions, to make the wrong decision. We want to make money doing what we're really good at, but we're not willing to talk about what we're good at in front of other people. We just hope that they'll be psychic and they'll say, hey, you, are you incredible at making holistic branding? <laughs> like, why would they know that? They, they wouldn't. Nobody will. You got you to gotta share it, right? Or we want to start a business. We have this dream of being an entrepreneur or even better, this dream of sharing this wonderful thing that we've created with other people. But we're afraid of being salesy, of selling something. And homie, you know, you can't have a business without selling stuff. Like you can't. <laughs> so Sorry, you just can't. That is just a hobby then. If you're not going to sell things, then there's nothing wrong with having a hobby. But if you want to start a business, you have to sell things. It's not like a secret. <laughs> you know, I was like somewhat a little embarrassed when I got pregnant, even though I'm like 34 years old, because I was like, oh my gosh, people know I have sex now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and duh, you do. It's the same thing with your business. You can't be afraid of people knowing that you sell things. Like, that is literally what you're supposed to do when you run a business. But again, we're at odds with ourselves, right? We want to do this one thing, but we're afraid of what it takes. And I'm just going to say this before I move on. You might listen to the rest of this episode because I'm going to give you some strategies, some physical, emotional, psychic strategies for being comfortable being seen. You might not change today. You might not change in the next year. You might not change in the next five years. I hope that's not the case for you, but trust in the dignity of your own timing. Okay? Because the pain of staying the same, of every day being the same, of not seeing results, of not seeing changes, has to outweigh the pain of changing. Because it's painful to change, right? It's painful to grow and evolve sometimes. It's uncomfortable, at least. It's foreign to us. It's scary sometimes, oftentimes. But the pain of staying stuck has to loom larger than this discomfort of trying something new. So for you right now, if you don't change, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that the pain of staying the same not outweigh the pain of changing yet. And eventually you will reach that point. It will be this moment, this breaking point for you. It might be a series of of little things that happen and then one big thing that sort of forces you to look back and be like, what the fuck? Why? I need to shift. This needs to be different. 
And then you will. <laughs> and then you will change. And I'm sure you've, you can sort of clock when that's happened in your life in the past. Like I remember always thinking, I wish I could go see a therapist. I'd love to go see a therapist, but but when would I possibly do that? When, you know, how do people see therapists when they have a, a regular, regular job? I don't have enough money to go see a therapist. You know, blah blah blah, all these reasons, right? For years and years and years, ten years probably. And overnight, something shifted. I went through this traumatic experience when I was raising money, where I got assaulted by an investor, a potential investor, and. I already had all of this stress on my shoulders, right? To try and raise money for this company, this one, Holisticism. And I was feeling so unconfident and not like myself. And then I had this thing happen and I just knew, oh my God, I, I can't deal with this by myself anymore. I'm not equipped to deal with this anymore. And all of the other things, right? All of the other stuff, if I want to be the best version of who I am and who I know I can be, I need to work on it. Like I need to work on myself and I need someone who has a different level of expertise than I do. The pain of changing was less than the pain of staying the same because I couldn't keep living in that place where I had been for so long. I had to move forward. Because I knew that nothing would open up in my life. I would stay stuck if I didn't change. So think about, maybe for you, what needs to shift. And maybe right now you're like, no, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable here. <laughs> I'm kind of comfortable not being seen. Okay, cool. Think of me when you have that, that threshold moment. It will happen eventually, my friend. I also just want to note that, and say this out loud, Maybe you believe in it, maybe you don't. It's a little it's a little weird. But I believe that if we're miserly with the gifts and talents that we have, like we hide them away, they diminish. Kind of like carbon, I imagine it like carbon dating, right? Like the carbon slowly um, diffuses from a living thing, right? Over time and when we carbon date it, we can you know tell how old it is. I feel like that's the same thing with our gifts. They sort of like, disperse and dry out and disappear when we don't use them and we don't share them. We when we keep them inside only when we are miserly. But when we share our gifts, they grow and expand kind of like a big loaf of sourdough bread, right? It just rises and rises and rises and rises exponentially ad infinitum. And I really do think that it's our duty to share our talents with the world because we have them <laughs> and because I think often we picked them. That's why we're here. And it's a tragedy if you don't. Like, oh my God, you have gifts and talents that like no one else on this planet might have or has access to right now. It's like illegal electric share. If you don't share them, you got to. It's it's like it's 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 necessary for humankind. And you might think, well, why is me <laughs> why why is my my gift or talent this thing that I think is silly or that's easy for me or whatever? Is it really that important? And I would argue, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is that important. Even if your talent feels like the smallest thing in the world, you never know what ripple effect it might have. And by the way, it's none of your business. <laughs> it's none of your business what, uh, how important it is or is not. Your only business is to share it and own it. Okay, so... If you're willing to change, if the pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of changing, then how do you do it? How do you change? A couple of things. We can prepare physically, we can prepare mentally, and we can prepare psychically. Now, I just want you to like 
clock this for yourself. There's this mental model called perfect solution fallacy. It's also called the nirvana fallacy. And it's this false dichotomy that suggests that there's a perfect solution for everything out there, or there's a perfect solution to the problem that we have. And when this comes up for us, we are looking for a perfect solution. And if something is not quite right or doesn't completely 100% solve the problem, we throw the entire solution away. When in reality, that solution or series of solutions can solve like 95% of the problem. And that's much better than solving, you know, 0% and continuing to look for the most correct solution. Sometimes there is not a perfect solution. Oftentimes there is not a perfect solution. So what I'm going to give you today is sort of a poo-poo platter of solutions that you can try. And it might not be perfect. In fact, you probably will still be scared. <laughs> it probably will still be intimidating to show up online. That, that fear, that anxiety, it's not going to disappear overnight. But I promise you, if you practice, it will get better. <laughs> it will totally get better. It really, really will. I say this as someone who uh, was totally afraid to be seen online, is still sometimes if I'm being completely honest with you, when I started Holisticism, I actually was like totally anonymous. I didn't put my name on the website. I did not show myself on the Instagram for like two years. In fact, I didn't teach classes. I would try to be as anonymous as possible, as like in the background as possible. I just thought of myself as this curator, bringing other people together. And I would tell myself, well, no one cares about what I think, but I'm just really good at like bringing people together and seeing potential trends and noticing really intelligent and cool healers and practitioners. I'm, I'm great at finding those people. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight them and I'm just going to sink into the background. I'm going to just be on the sidelines. So, so basically I can relate. <laughs> but when I started sharing myself and the gifts that I have and what I know, Man, holisticism skyrocketed. It expanded so much. And I think that you'll probably notice that that happens too for you. And in my mind, there's a spiritual reason for that, right? There's an expansion. There's an unlocking. One door opens the next. When we do the work, that sort of brings us to the next portal that in a way kind of rewards us for a job well done. And just if we're thinking about this from a business perspective, the likability factor makes a huge difference in other mental model in people being willing to support and buy from the business. And it's really difficult to make this entity that isn't a person li- likable. But you, you're, you're very likable. <laughs> you are much easier to like. So if you show up, even if it's just with your voice, you don't have to show your face. You don't have to make goofy videos. But if you just show up a little bit more, show a little bit of yourself, you're going to make your business much more likable. And I have a feeling it will grow for that reason too. So let's talk about these three ways or these three sort of elements of preparing ourselves for being seen. First, I think that you really have to prepare physically to be seen. And I noticed this comes up for me because I feel this full flush in my body, right? This like pit in my stomach. I begin to sweat. I have racing thoughts. I can't focus on anything, the task at hand, certainly not, when I'm afraid of what people think of me online. I remember sending my first emails and, you know, to the holisticism community and like literally not being able to get any other work done for the rest of the day because I was like, oh my God, people are reading it, (laughs) you know, Um, or posting something for the first time on Twitter or Instagram that 
I took a strong stance that maybe was in opposition to what other people said and being like feeling my ears get hot, you know, and not being able to calm myself down and, and even shaking, right? These all point to a stronger nervous system that we need to develop. And we can develop our nervous system through embodiment practice. We can develop our nervous system, a stronger nervous system through meditation. We can develop a stronger nervous system by just interoception, right? Taking note of the feelings and sensations that are coming up for us and when they come up and what exactly they feel like. Oh, it feels like my stomach just got super heavy, like it's full of rocks and it's bringing like my breath and my heart down and my shoulders are are crumpling forward. Sometimes our bodies store and tell our brains more information than we're able to consciously understand. And sometimes if we can shift our body, then our brain will follow, our conscious thought will follow. So working on our nervous system, great thing to do, great thing to practice. You can do this through like meditate, meditating with open. You can do this through, you know, practicing chanting. You can do this through Alexander technique or yoga, or honestly, just taking note of how it feels to breathe in the morning and just giving yourself a full body scan. However you want to practice, just get started. Tap into that bod, even exercise, going for a walk and mindfully walking that will bring you back down into your body. Something that I do is this thing called heel rocks and it's a modern dance warm up. And basically I lay down on the ground and I feel my entire body get really heavy and like all of my weight sinks down to the bottom of my body where my body meets the floor. And I imagine that it's kind of like sand on the ocean floor settling. And then you basically point your toes up And you rotate your legs and your hip sockets and you begin to flex and point your feet and it sort of shakes your body up really gently. And that just helps me come back to center. I love doing it. You can also prepare physically by using herbal allies. Think of the herbal allies or research the herbal allies that your ancestors or your lineage uses or used. So if you're Italian, you might want to consider using rosemary and oregano and rue in your practice. You can't eat rue because it's poisonous, but you know, check, check those things out. I would also recommend checking out adaptogens like ashwagandha. Most adaptogens can help bring your body back to center and help with, with your stress response. And that's what we're doing physically, right? We're trying to sort of notice our stress response and keep it from spiking so high that it completely dysregulates us. We want to bring ourselves back down to center or at least have the ability to recover and bring ourselves back down to center. Sometimes preparing physically too is just noticing what's happening in your body and talking yourself back, going through that rationalization. So even if you've done like cognitive behavioral therapy, talking out how you're feeling and naming it, that can really help you calm down in your body. Okay. So we've prepared physically, or we can work on preparing physically. To me, this is an ongoing practice. It's not going to change overnight. And we store a lot of trauma in our bodies too. So if we are dysregulated, if we are seen and we maybe feel criticized in a way that we've been criticized in the past, that was traumatic, those things are going to flare up, right? Again, the work is the work. So just clock that for yourself. What is this telling me? What is this reminding me of? What is that core wound that this is um, a flicker of, or that this is mirroring? And how can I maybe go back to that 
core wound or that initial mm, trauma. And either with a practitioner or myself, work through it with this new information that I have, with, you know, this new perspective that I have, the new knowledge that I might have in the world. Okay, so that's preparing physically. Next, let's talk about preparing mentally. And I just want to call out this one thing. If you're a squiggly-brained person, maybe if you have ADHD or ADD, um, a symptom or not a symptom, it's it's like a comorbidity, I guess, of ADHD. I don't know if that's exactly the right term. It's called rejection-sensitive dysphoria, RSD. And rejection-sensitive dysphoria basically means that when you are, when you feel rejected or judged or whatever, it feels nearly impossible for you to get over it. You have an outsized reaction to rejection, to criticism, to being called out. Um, You're unable to rebound the way that a neurotypical person would. So maybe if it took you like years and years and years to get over a breakup (laughs) or um, you were, you know, called out online, not even, you know, capital C canceled, but just someone called you in and you deleted your Instagram account as a response. Just know that rejection sensitive dysphoria often goes hand in hand with ADHD or ADD or being a squiggly brained person. And that's something that you can work with a therapist on. And it helps to be aware of it because it helps remind you that, oh, right, I have a tendency to having an outsized reaction to the things that may happen to me. And they're not as serious as that. (laughs) It might feel like it, but I know intellectually that it's not as big of a deal as perhaps my body or my brain chemistry wants to make it. Can relate over here. (laughs) I also think it's so smart to just to keep asking why. I think Byron, this is similar to what Byron Katie does with her questions, but if you've ever worked with a therapist, the five whys, this is technically a mental model. You just ask yourself five whys about a given subject. You can use this for anything, but especially to sort of investigate our feelings. I think it's a great tool and asking yourself why and going deeper and deeper and deeper, just five times, right? Pushes you to find the truth and actually like achieve rationality because often our emotional responses are irrational, right? They, they don't make sense. And um, we get frustrated with ourselves because they are irrational or they're irrational and we jump to that black or white conclusion, right? That extreme conclusion. So if you notice yourself with that black and white, having that black or white thinking, take a breath and do the five whys. So, okay, um, I'm afraid to post this because I'm afraid people are gonna get mad at me for posting it. Why? Or why are you afraid of people being mad at you? Because if people get mad at me, then they won't like me anymore. Why are you afraid of them not liking you anymore? Because if they don't like me anymore, then I won't be able to do my business. Why are you afraid of not being able to do your business? Because if I'm not able to do my business, then I won't be able to make money. Why are you afraid of not being able to make money? I'm afraid of not being able to make money because I'm afraid that if I don't have money, I'll just like, I'll die. <laughs> okay. And as you take it all the way down, right? You're like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> I I can make money without like owning my own business. So that's okay. And I won't die. I, I it might feel like it, but um, if I like go through financial stress, it will be stressful, but I probably won't die. At least not immediately. And you begin to sort of clock that, oh, right. This is, this is a big reaction, a big feeling. And I can honor that. And I can also honor that it's not exactly rational. And it might not be the worst thing in the world. 
if this happens to me. It's not the best thing in the world, but I will survive it. And I trust myself to be able to navigate it. So give yourself the five whys. I also just, this this kind of sucks, but you're not for everyone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like you got to prepare for your mentally. Not everyone's going to like you. And there's literally nothing you can do about it. Um, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I, I'm a control freak and I wanted everyone to like me for so much of my life. I, I still do. I still want people to like me, um, but I know that I'm not for everyone. And there was this one point in my life where I was like, okay, if I dress a certain way, I want to dress a certain way to help people know exactly what I'm like without like having to talk to me. So when they see me, they know that I'm like a cool person or they know that I'm an, a welcoming, kind person and that I'm you know a safe place just by the way that I dress, which as I say it out loud, I'm like, that's ridiculous. But <laughs> I really wanted to control how other people decided to perceive me. That's all that that was. And I think that's what comes up for a lot of us. We really want to control how others decide to perceive us. And guess what? They're going to decide to perceive you however they want. You can be the kindest, most gentle, most loving person. And someone out there will still say, she's only like that on the outside because she's actually a raging bitch on the inside. <laughs> Even though that that could not be true. Or it could be true. Whatever. We also need to like make that bad. It could be just neutral and neutral that you're sometimes a bitch. Like, yeah, same. <laughs> sometimes it's useful. You're not for everyone. That's okay. You can't change how other people decide to perceive you. All you can do is respond to it and move past it. Be okay with it. And that brings me to my next point. Lend people the benefit of the doubt. Lend people the benefit of the doubt. The internet can be a very scary place if we expect everyone to be scary. So what if we lend people the benefit of the doubt? What if instead of jumping on them when they make a mistake and deleting them and unfollowing them, we lend them the benefit of the doubt, even if they haven't quote unquote, quote, earned it yet. I think that if we can approach the world this way, it will return to us a hundredfold. That generosity that we lend out will come back to us. At least I hope that. <laughs> and finally, remember that nuance is often lost on the internet or in whatever the 140 or 270 word tweets that people send or on the 10 page Instagram swipe throughs that people can create. Nuance can be lost. And even if you do your very best to relay your message with as much nuance as possible, there's still going to be people that skim it and that don't get it and that you're not going to be able to explain it to because you're not sitting in front of them, talking to them face to face. And that's just how it is. So again, I'm going to ask you <laughs> to unclench your butthole and let that be okay. Finally, you can prepare for being seen psychically. I think that you should put up psychic protection, especially if you're going to go out there and be public. <laughs> I would put it on my phone. So I would create uh, sigils on my phone using emojis, especially on Instagram, TikTok to protect my energetic space on the internet. I would put up psychic protection by, you know, putting an evil eye or another protective emblem on my phone, on my computer. And I would also create 
psychic protection around my home and my office. And I would do that physically. So I would cleanse my space using whatever cleansing method you would like. I like to do the ye old sweet method, which means that I take some salt, I blend it with some herbs from my garden. I sprinkle the salt at the back threshold of the back door. And then I, I sweep it all the way through my house to clean my house out. And it goes out through the front door. And you can also use salt to sort of line... If you've seen Hocus Pocus, it's a similar idea. You can use salt to sort of line your property and protect your property. You also can plant plants that are protective around your home. And that can be, I, I, it makes me think of like, you know, the briars around Sleeping Beauty's castle, except like less spooky. Uh, you can you can do that to protect your space in your home, especially if you're, you know, are not living in an apartment. If you are living in an apartment, you can do salt, you can do, you can use minerals and crystals. Um, you also can put your own, create, you know, meditate, send your energy out and do a psychic bubble that just protects your space and disallows any negative entities or energies or any art energies that have come to harm you. And practice that every morning. Expand your bubble out. I picture it like a little dome over my head and I push and push and push and push it until it covers my entire house. It covers uh, the property that I live on. It covers my family. It covers everything. It's like a little force field. (laughs) So psychic protection. And you can look up and and maybe like Google around for a spell, a protection spell. Do your own research. Have some fun. Finally, you can pick an archetype. I think that this is a way of preparing psychically because when you collapse a timeline and you embody a new video game character or archetype, you take on the traits and skills and talents of that archetype. So what archetype would you need to call in to feel safe, to be seen? Who might that be? Maybe it's a real life person who you admire for their bravery or their boldness. Maybe it's a true, you know, archetype or character that you see in fiction or that you see in the movies that you love. Maybe it's an archetype that you need to create a brand new character that has all of the traits of someone you'd admire or what you feel like you need, the, where you have deficits that can help you be seen and do your work here on this planet. I should teach a class on archetypes soon. I think I'm going to. Okay, I'm going to put that in my put that in my pocket. <laughs> Get to that later. So there you have it. Lots of things. And I would say most importantly, come back to this, you know? Every time you feel challenged, you feel dysregulation, you feel, you know, your hackles raise, you feel that pressure. Remember that this is kind of the point. You're getting what you asked for, which is to stretch and grow. We always get what we want, right? In the end, we always get what we want. I always get what I want. If my soul's deepest desire is to grow and to evolve and to find my purpose and to live the fullest life that I can in this body, then we're going to continue to be offered opportunities to do that. How cool is that? We get Blessings on blessings. We get opportunities on opportunities to continue to grow and expand, to continue to be more magical, to strengthen our superpowers, to spread our love, our gifts, our talents. And I think that's really cool. So 
that's it. <laughs> that's all I have for you today. Just, you know, light stuff talking about our existential purpose. <laughs> and I hope it's useful when you're sharing on Instagram. It might seem banal, but you know, all this stuff can really mean something. And also it ain't that deep, you know, <laughs> it's a both and situation. It's not an either or situation. So that's today's episode. And if you want to double click on these concepts and you were like, Ooh, your ears pricked up when I talked about creators cashing in and learning how to make money off of the content that you create, because that is your special skill. That is your talent. That is your gift. Then you should definitely join us for class. It, I only teach it once a year. Wallace is teaching it with me this year. It's going to be so fun. It's my favorite class to teach. It's used to be called Profitable Content Creator Lab. Now it's Notion of Magical Baddies, Creators Cashing In. It's fabulous. And I basically pour out my entire brain and give it to you. And I say, here, take this <laughs> and have fun with it. It's wonderful. And we make it better and better every year as well because we learn more as we you know, expand this business, which is really cool. That class starts on March 14th. Doors open on March 7th. And you can check out and get on the wait list to be the first to find out when doors open by clicking on the link in our bio. All right. I think that's all I have for you today. If this podcast was useful, um, if you learned something, if you liked something that I said, thank you so much for sharing it with your friends and for liking our podcast, for giving it a rating on Spotify and on Apple podcasts that really helps us get seen by other people and yeah, sharing it with a friend who you think, who you think could benefit from it. That's all I have for you. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. I will see you on the internet. Bye. The Twelfth House is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme music is made by Nathan McKay, and our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studios, who you can find more information about in our show notes.